0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. I'm Rick Wolfum. Those who work in the turf industry are committed to protecting and preserving the environment. As the executive director of Audubon International, Christine Kane shares that commitment. On this episode of our podcast, she offers an overview of Audubon International and its mission and cites its connection to the turf industry. We're proud to have Christine Kane with us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. Christine, we thank you for taking the time to join us on Wonderful Women of Golf. We know your schedule is quite busy, and uh, we appreciate your making the time. Thank you.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Why don't we start with an overview of what Audubon International's mission is related to the environment? That's a broad-based question. I asked that on purpose to give listeners an idea of exactly what it is that your organization does day to day.
1: Well, in a nutshell, to keep it simple, we are, uh, our goal is to create sustainable environments in all the areas where we all live, work, and play. And to accomplish that mission, we use a variety of tools, including uh, education, technical assistance, and uh, certifications for businesses who have properties that they need to manage so that they can uh, manage them in a more sustainable way way and then uh, receive third-party validation for their efforts.
0: And that ties in so well to the golf industry. And we'll have you speak to that for a moment because in the years that I have been covering the turf grass industry, I have never met a more dedicated group of professionals than golf course superintendents when it comes to respecting and protecting the environment.
1: Well, that's really true. And I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, outside of golf, I think that's really not well recognized. And that's something that we are trying hard to help get the word out about. And I think, you know, in general, anybody who works on the land values that and the resource that that is and knows the importance of managing it properly. And, you know, many um, of the current golf superintendents, as well as Those who are coming out of various turf programs and want to get into the industry are very in tune with the need to increase the sustainable management of uh, the courses and uh, the out-of-play areas that surround them.
0: Now, you've been with the organization since 2016. Did you notice that when you first got there? And has that mindset expanded, if you will? In the years since?
1: Actually, I did uh, notice that uh, almost as soon as I got here, I did not come to the job from another golf-related position or organization. So I was very uh, impressed with the opinions and um, knowledge of the folks that are already working in the golf industry. And I would say that it definitely, in my six years, I think it's definitely increased of course, we've you know a lot has happened in that six years, um, not the least of which was you know a little over two years of a pandemic where people, you know, felt the need to or recognized the need to have nature close enough by that they could be outside when they need to. That's one of the things that really intrigued me about this organization is that the recognition of the fact that there's a niche. That was not being filled, which is that you know there are businesses that are managing a lot of property, and whether that's um, public parks, or corporate office facilities, uh, resorts, or you know golf courses, and we are all we all spend way more time on those properties than we probably think about uh, in general, and I think it's an an important area uh, that affects many of our daily lives and somewhere important. To be working on that was otherwise overlooked.
0: Your response uh, got me to thinking because I reside in a large apartment complex and I'm thinking about the open space that's out here, the environment, and yes, a lot of it is concrete and asphalt, but how much effort management here puts into maintaining that open space that we have here, and they do put a tremendous amount into it. And they work with a subcontractor, but that gets to the heart of what you're you're saying while we're in the middle of doing this podcast. There's so much open space that people find themselves in, whether it's a public park, whether it's a golf course, whether it's um, a recreational sports complex, whether it's a shopping center. And people, I don't think, really think about that day-to-day very much.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I, w- I would agree with that. And um... You know, I think in general, we tend to think of nature as something that, that we have to go to, right? We have to travel somewhere. We're going to go camping or we're going to go hiking or we're going to go visit a, a national or a state park. And we don't stop to think about what is around us every day. And if, if, if we can say that there's a benefit from the pandemic, I think perhaps it may have made some more of the public aware of the benefits of having open space, recreational areas, um, you know, just general green space close to home, and um, and how important it is to also manage that in a way that is safe for all of us.
0: As far as superintendents protecting the environment, one of the misconceptions that surrounds the industry from time to time is that superintendents don't care about the environment they're using all these chemicals they are wasting resources and so on and so forth and what i have seen over the course of my career is the exact opposite uh, you have men and women who deeply care about the environment who want to protect it they're not using any more chemicals or products than they absolutely have to and of course all of that is, is regulated. But the concern that all of these folks have for protecting the environment day to day, understanding the environmental concerns that you have and concerned people have, and really dedicate their working life to doing just that. It's, and some people don't always get that.
1: Uh, that's absolutely true. And, you know, one of, you know, one of the reasons... That I went into working in the environmental field was, I'm sure, like many other people, because I wanted a job uh, outside, and I wanted to be in nature.
0: Gosh, have I heard that once or twice in the course of the series? That's absolutely
1: right. But you know, I um, didn't live in near a golf course, so I was not exposed to um, you know that type of opportunity. I guess I should say, Um, and I think that it's an important it's an important, uh, point to bring out. And it, there's a lot of different ways. There's a lot of different job opportunities, uh, in the broad context of environmental work. And, uh, I think that golf can certainly play an, a role or provide opportunities to that for folks who are looking for that, you know, work outside, uh, option, but still with an environmental approach. And I was, that's, Also, another thing that, you know, I was happily surprised about when I came to this job was the number of, you know, new entrants into the golf world, Uh, as I said, you know, through the turf grass programs, recent, you know, assistant superintendents, maintenance team members who came to the industry through that route.
0: I'm thinking too about programs like the First Green Program, which is a relatively new initiative, but it gives... Uh, school age kids an opportunity to see what it's like to be in an outdoor environment and make them aware the job opportunities are there if you want to work outside. And from the people that I have talked to who are superintendents, it is has been a very, very successful endeavor in places where it has uh, been used. So, Making students aware at a young age that this is a valid career option, that's got to, something that's going to be very helpful is helpful now and it's going to be helpful down the road, I would think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I think you, you've probably seen, you know, some of the information now in the golf uh, industry that there's, there's not the uh, pipeline that there used to be for um, labor in the market through caddies or through, you know, people who played golf, you know, kind of grew up playing golf maybe with their family. And then they realized that that was an opportunity to work in. So, you know, I uh, used to work in uh, different environmental organizations and it was the same thing. We used to call it at one place, we used to call it the, the green pipeline. And particularly we worked with children and youth in inner city situations that didn't have an opportunity to see how nature could um, influence and benefit their lives, and one of the nice things about uh, First Green also is that it integrates uh, STEM issues, STEM teaching, with uh, you know real life applications of being out on the golf course. So it's uh, it, I think it's very eye opening for a lot of students to say, oh, I, you know, I like maybe I like science, I like math, but look, I could still work outdoors and have that ability to stick with the subject that I like.
0: That's important to address too, because I think another stereotype that comes up is if you want to work outside in that kind of a field, you have to set aside the other half or the other portion of the educational process that you have to steer away from STEM type courses or STEM type curriculum and focus totally on other things. And that is... A myth that we're doing our best to dispel here. So, right. thank you. Yeah, for taking it's it. a,
1: as you mentioned, uh, you know, earlier, there's there's just huge changes within the golf course industry in in you know even the last twenty years in golf course management, in um, the understanding and applications of IPM, for instance. Um, lots of different changes around water use and irrigation and power to be more efficient. Uh, to make better use, the understanding that, you know, there's sort of two sides of the coin where water is concerned. There's certainly water conservation, but there's also water quality. And you, so you have to be aware of both of those. Uh, you know, we, as part of our certifications uh, for golf courses in particular, we do require uh, certain kinds of water testing to be done on a regular basis. And we have member courses who, uh, are testing the water where it comes onto their course and they're testing where it leaves their course. And in many of the data points and types of things being tested for, the water is actually cleaner when it goes out than when it came in. So, you know, there's uh, a lot of benefits of open space of nature uh, that are just as appropriate on a golf course as on other properties. You know, water filtration, for instance, you know, uh, storm water protection. Wildlife habitat, in you know, many cases, these golf courses, when they were originally built, might have been outside of urban areas, and they have now been sort of you know, subsumed by the growth uh, in these areas. And they provide either some of the last open space and green space for wildlife in the area, or and or important wildlife corridor connections for migration and movement um, of the animals in their area. So that's, you know, something to bring up. And for instance, we have a, what we call a conservation initiative at Audubon International called Monarchs in the Rough, where we have harnessed the power of golf to work on uh, developing new habitat for monarch butterflies, which you may have heard are, you know, their population is dwindling quite quickly. There's a lot of loss of habitat, many reasons for that. And we are in danger of losing that magnificent migration that happens every year uh, across the central part, primarily across the central part of the U.S. Does There's some on the East Coast and some on the West Coast. And, you know, golf courses uh, have lots of property, obviously. And, you know, large amounts of the courses that are in out-of-play areas where it can be converted to um, native plants, uh, milkweed plants, since that's the only thing that monarchs use, then that can be a quick, um, shall I say, opportunity to increase and um, improve the the habitat that's available. And, you know, we have had golf courses. Superintendents are very excited about it. They are joining. We are making sure it's it's the only proper, uh, only program I'm aware of, that makes sure that the distributions are regionally appropriate milkweed seeds. Sometimes you'll see a national program um, where they're distributing milkweed seeds, but it's you know a broad base of milkweed seeds. And you know, even though it's milkweed, some of it can be invasive in different parts of the country. So we're really focused on making sure we get the courses, you know, the native, regionally appropriate seed to um, make it all work even better.
0: Thinking about my time playing golf and traveling a little bit to do it, one of the most rewarding aspects of that is interacting with the wildlife that you see. And I can recall courses where you see animals that are common, like uh, in this part of the country, deer and groundhog, but also other things. And one of the most magnificent experiences of my life or golfing life came down in Maryland at a place called Swan Point and the golf course is built into a wildlife preserve and uh, they have American bald eagles nest on the property or did at the time and seeing one of those magnificent birds at treetop height it just takes your breath away from you and having had interactions occasionally unexpected interactions with Animals on a golf course. It's just really warming and it's really humbling to experience that. And that's something that's unique about golf and and unique about the environment.
1: I think again, there are many stereotypical beliefs um, about golf in out in the world, right? Uh, and one of them is that they're not habitat-friendly or that there's not a good biodiversity on the courses because you know turf a lot of his turf and the um, perhaps mistaken belief in in many cases is that it's not healthy and it's not providing opportunities for wildlife and um, you know we have members who have um, endangered species on their courses or species of special concern that they work to provide and protect uh, the habitats necessary for those uh, species. As I mentioned, we have Monarchs in the Rough, for instance. We have another program called the Raptor Relocation Network, which we're working with United Airlines. And uh, they are helping us connect with uh, the wildlife biologists at airports who are trapping raptors uh, that are at the airports. And of course, this is a problem for potential bird strikes from the airline's point of view, but from the bird's point of view, um, you know what they're looking for are you know, wide open landscapes where they can see whatever their prey might be, um, small to medium or other types of birds even. And so when we can work with those uh, biologists, when they've trapped those birds uh, to take them to our certified golf courses where we have already determined the appropriate habitat for different types of raptors, And uh, they, you know, golf courses are particularly interesting to raptors because there's the high nesting, there's the high areas to um, watch over the fairways. It's a, you know, very limited interaction with humans, but they have a great view and the opportunity to to swoop in if they see small prey that they want to feed on. In some cases, if it's, you know, birds that need to fish, there are water bodies um, golf courses that they can use. So it's just, you know, some out of the box thinking. I think it's important to get the word out more about these um, benefits and the opportunities uh, that golf can provide.
0: Let's talk about your certification program, the Audubon Corporate Sanctuary Program. You have, uh, what, 2,300 golf courses or so? uh,
1: Yes. Uh, That's the last figure I saw. Yeah. So, you know, we have um, members who have multiple, some of them have multiple golf courses that are enrolled. So, yes, about 2,300 individual golf courses. And um, that was our first certification program. We started the cooperative sanctuary program um, and there's a, um, an option for businesses and then there's an option for golf. And as you might imagine, golf has some more specific steps to certification uh, that then general business than um, like a maybe a corporate office park, for instance would have Uh, so but that's our largest uh, the cooperative sanctuary program has our largest um, number of members largest participation Um, we're actually celebrating the 35th anniversary of the organization this year and i think the uh, cooperative sanctuary program came you know within that first five years or so of the program so it's close to 30 years that we've been doing that program
0: what are some of the steps that are involved to become certified to become one of your certified members i know there's a rather detailed checklist that uh, you go through when you visit a golf course
1: right well in the cooperative sanctuary program um basically you have to do an environmental uh plan because you have to set your or understand your baseline right see where you are before you know what you can do to move forward and then <clears throat> there's five other steps within that, that you can do in any order as they work best for you. So there's chemical use and reduction, um, water conservation, water quality issues that we mentioned before, right? Two sides of that same coin. Um, Wildlife uh, habitat and uh, outreach and education. And actually that is, I think, something that sets our programs apart from many other types of certifications that are out there. No matter the type of certification you're working with, us on we do require outreach and education because we want you to talk about what you're doing uh, let your community know let your members know let your golfers know if it's a golf course um, what you are doing what steps you're taking what you're implementing how you're approaching these you know and hopefully you'll influence others to do the same thing whether it's another business or someone in, at home on their own property Um, But it's important to get the word out on many levels um, that there is movement and there are things happening near to home, as well as, you know, the larger global issues that we talk about and hear about every day.
0: Do you play golf yourself, Christine?
1: I do not anymore. Unfortunately, injury took me out of the game, but uh, I have spent some time on golf courses. Yes.
0: Okay. With that in mind, my next question, what are some of the things you would like to see golfers doing or be aware of that maybe makes them a little more environmentally conscious, if
1: you will? Well, you know, we're still, um, I think it's important to bring your environmental sensibility with you to the golf course and um, recognize that some of these steps do not harm the game. They don't worsen the pace of play, but they don't, maybe make the golf course look as pretty as it might have at one time, right? If you've got uh, monarch butterfly habitat along the sides of the course at certain times of the year, you know, it can, it can look not so nice. So, but be, you know, be accepting of that and be aware of that. Talk to your fellow golfers and and also let your um, folks know at the golf course, your superintendent, your maintenance workers, that you appreciate the efforts of what they're doing and you understand the need to do it and thank them for doing it. I think the, you know, we need, we've got a lot of groundswell of support from, you know, those of us who work in the industry. We just wanna, we now need to work a little more on the other side for the golfers who are out there to get their um, awareness of the issues up and have them notice what's happening. And, you know, perhaps maybe even push for some more things, be supportive, you know, get those greens committees on board with some of these uh, changes. You know, like you said, we uh, visited a golf course that had osprey nests on it, which they are just amazing birds and and huge nests. Um, And, uh, you know, some of the golfers weren't, you know, didn't think it looked that nice, but, you know, it's an area that um, those, uh, that species is recognized as um, species of special concern. So, you know, to switch that where the golf golfers and the golf courses, you know, are proud to have those sorts of habitats and recognize them and avidly support them, I think would make a a huge difference.
0: What's been the most satisfying part of this journey for you over the last six years? And you mentioned you've worked for some other environmental organizations. So this is a familiar area for you, but what has most impressed you about seeing the evolution of all this over the last six years
1: you know i i love working with the the folks on the golf courses i'm really as we talked about earlier impressed with the knowledge of the superintendents and their teams that are out there every day and how they value the resource of the the property and the land that they're working on and are aware of how integrated their properties, their golf courses, are into the larger communities. You know, for instance, watersheds. Um, you know, do not recognize lines on the map of you know this township or that township, right? It's uh, topographic lines and and the where the water's going to flow. So the importance of having courses um, recognized in the community, for instance, in, in stormwater um, management, as you know, some of our weather patterns changed and we're getting more storms and more water and at different times of the year, recognizing the value that these courses um, can play in those types of um, situations. But just being able to really work with people who are um, understanding of that, are like-minded of that, are excited about that type of work is is great for me. I love it.
0: Christine, we really enjoyed having you. We thank you for Uh, making the time. It took a little while to put this together, but it was well worth it. We look forward to having you make another appearance with us uh, in the very near future.
1: That would be great. Thank you very much for having me. I loved it.
0: Christine Kane joining us on this edition of Wonderful Women of Golf. We thank all of you for joining us and invite you to join us next time. And uh, please take care of the environment when you're on the golf course. My name is Rick Wolfel. We'll talk to you soon.